Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. 24's podcast, best video gaming and sports podcast on the entire internet. Very, very late podcast. Screwed the pooch. Just a little bit. Screwed the pooch. But I'm back. Gonna have a great one. Gonna be talking about... What are we gonna talk about? Oh, yeah. Kenny Galladay got signed Sunday afternoon. I saw it. To the New York Giants. Gonna talk about it. Gonna talk about the severity of it. Also, today, since today is Tuesday and I recorded this podcast extremely late, Alabama's Pro Day, we're gonna talk about weight issues. Also, a sleeper top three, top four wide receiver in this year's draft you don't know about. All that, ladies and gentlemen, much, much more. 24th podcast! What was my reason for being so late today? I'm recording this podcast at 1.26 in the morning. Well, uh, not a good one. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest about it. I was playing Need for Speed Heat. I got really into it. Started to drive around, trying to max out my, my cars, trying to get money, trying to farm money. I keep losing money because I keep getting caught at night. I'll talk about it later on in the week. By the way, no podcast tomorrow, which is technically going to be Tuesday night. Uh, technically today, actually. Like, I'm, I'm going to not podcast today, and I'll be back Wednesday. But te- technically, today's podcast is Monday's podcast. It's a very confusing, I get it. It's my fault. I don't blame you. I blame myself for my incompetency. I was having a whole bunch of fun. I was, I was playing video games. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like, uh, like, like, can I? Like, it's weird how peaceful my life has been ever since. Like, I stopped watching, or not watching, but like stopped casting football games on Sunday. It's like, you know, it's it's almost beautiful. It's like, you know, like like I get this this day off of, and, and Sunday was sunny outside, and it was a beautiful day, and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm not pressured to do anything today. Like, I keep saying that. But it's like, like even after a month after the NFL season ended, it's it's just such a weird thing to not have to prepare to cast three football games in a row. Like it, it was mentally draining, but it was a lot of fun, mentally and physically draining. A lot of fun though. <clears throat> so yeah, I was playing Need for Speed Heat. That's one part of it. Another part is um, I was watching, or not watching, but like reading the Deshaun Watson assault allegations, keeping myself up to date with that. Still, same old, same old. But then I'm watching this Chris Sims podcast. Chris Sims is my guy. Chris Sims, he has the insider information on everything when it comes to draft prospects, draft evaluations, things of that nature. He led me to this guy. This guy who he was talking about that he was like, you know what? I think he's my third my third wide receiver. Jalen Waddle isn't my third wide receiver. This random guy, this guy is my third wide receiver. And I said to myself, I'm like, Chris Sims, it must be Rashad Bateman because he said this is the guy that nobody's talking about, right? So I'm like, he must be talking about Rashad Bateman, because everybody before the season started was talking about Rashad Bateman. 
But they weren't talking about this guy. Let me take a swig. Another one. My sugar levels are very, very down. This is when I... I, I mean, I woke up at like 6 o'clock this morning. Like, it's like 1.30 at night. I went to bed early. Went to sleep early. I woke up early. Now I'm up late. Terrible choice by 24. But Chris Sims put me on this guy. And I'll put this game on you. He put a game on me, so I'll put a game on you. Showed me this guy. I'll let Chris Sims talk about this guy. If I can find the actual quote here, because I'm already behind for sake. Hold on. I just got this, like, 30-second ad that I now have to watch. And I don't want to play. All right, cool. Jesus Christ. As if Walmart needs another commercial. Where's the timestamp? Here it is. So, the guy in question is Diami Brown. Diami Brown. That's the top three wide receiver that Chris Sims has. That's the top. That's the guy that I've been studying for about half a day. I haven't been just fucking around playing video games. I've actually, before I played video games, I actually like spent a good three to four hours researching Deami Brown. But Deami Brown, out of North Carolina, not North Carolina State, plays for the Tar Heels. Yes, the same Tar Heels with the two running backs, Javante Williams. And Michael Carter, that Tar Heels. The guys with the teal uni uniforms occasionally, those Tar Heels. Let me play you a clip from Chris Sims' podcast. But Deami Brown, Deami Brown from North Carolina. To me, this is the, and, and let me just preface it this. We got the top three here, and I think the top three are close. All right. I think it's close. I'm not sitting here going, oh, number one is purely number one. No. And what he's saying is he's saying the top three being Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Deami Brown. Let's continue forward. Number one, two, and three to me are special, like special superstars, like can really can have a bright future. Mm -hmm. And Deami Brown to me was the one that like out of all the guys I watched in the draft or I just went, whoa, who's, who's this guy? Like. Okay, I saw a little North Carolina football this year. I remember watching them catch, like, you know, one deep pass and whatever else. But you know me. I'm a casual college guy. I'm not, like, breaking it down during the season. Yeah. But as I turned him on, it was literally from, like, the first snap. I swear to you, the first snap, I went, whoa, whoa. Okay, it's play one. I'm not trying to judge, but play one looked like superstar. So, a little bit of context. At this point, you know, because I always try to get in, when it, especially when it comes to Chris Sims, I always try to watch all of his stuff when it comes to draft coverage. I like at this point in the podcast, I was like, you know what, you know, I, I just, I just gotta check his numbers. You know, I, I'm, I'm a statistics guy. I'm not a film and take guy. I leave that stuff to Chris Sims. So I, I went in. I, I tried to find his numbers. I found his numbers. Found his numbers. His numbers are pretty damn good. His numbers. I was actually, when I first saw his numbers, I was like, whoa. I actually said that. I was like, whoa. Oh, my God. The numbers are stupid. His numbers in his final year with North Carolina were 55 receptions. And I'll stop there. 
Because you may say 24, 55 receptions isn't a lot of interceptions, right? That's kind of what I thought. Like, because that's one of the first things that I, I was like, 55 receptions, that's not a lot of receptions. And then I looked at his yards. He had 1,000 yards on 55 receptions. A thousand on 55 receptions. If you don't know wide receiver statistics, if you don't know how to break down these types of numbers, essentially a wide receiver will have maybe 11 to 12 yards per catch, maybe on average, maybe 13 if they're really, really awesome. Maybe 14, 15. Like 13 is good. Like 14, 15 is like top tier stuff. He has 20 yards per catch. He has 20. Which is why he can have so little receptions and also have a ton of production, i.e. the yards. He has 1,000 yards, 55 receptions, 20 yards per catch. Eight touchdowns. Eight touchdowns. But when I saw his numbers, I said, there's something, there's something here when it comes to Deami Brown. There really is. And you know what? He doesn't really get a lot of catches. Like when, when, when you look at his games, it's like, oh my gosh, six catches, four catches, three catches, four catches, seven catches, 11 catches. He only has one game where he has double digit catches. But De'Ami Brown, I'll let Chris Sims kind of talk about it a little bit more. But De'Ami Brown is the diamond in the rough. He's, he's to me, I, I mean, like, like Chris Sims, uh, the analogy that he uses is essentially this is the new Chase Claypool. And he's right. I've never, I've never seen a guy get so little, like, like talk as De'Ami Brown is right now. Like, I, I mean... Apparently, he was invited to the Combine, which he would have probably have ran like a 4-3. We'll get 4-3, 4-4, maybe a 4-4, like a low 4-4, high 4-3. But De'Ami Brown, man, he just gets yards and touchdowns, and I mean, he just gets open. But let's continue forward with Chris Sims. Um, so what the, was it? Do you remember what caught your eye? I think just the way he took off, like they said, set hut, and the way he took off in like the first 10 steps, I just went, that looked like a superstar. I don't know. I haven't seen anything else yet. Let's see if he can catch. I don't know <laughs> if he can do anything else. But the way he moved and took off, I went, uh-oh. Like acceleration, top notch, top end speed. It's Odell Beckham Jr. with the ball in the air type speed. I mean, it's, he has another gear. There's nobody that can run with this kid. Nobody. Mm. I'm, I didn't see one game that anybody could even run with him. And there is no exaggeration in what he's saying. Let me take a swig. I ate some hot Cheetos. My stomach is on fire right now. It was like two or three hours ago. He's not exaggerating. I saw, I was, I first saw his highlights. Then I saw some, like, two of his games condensed, right? Like the Miami game and I think the Virginia game. Saw both those games condensed. Chris Sims will talk about it in a couple of seconds. What they will do is they will put him in a off-coverage scheme, or not an off-coverage. 
it like an uh, like a zone scheme like a no 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 like a man like off coverage scheme where it's like he's not in press he's playing like an off coverage he's playing like 10 yards out he'll give him like a 10 yard cushion the db will and somehow some way diami brown will find a way to get behind the db that has given up 10 yards and is supposed to essentially keep diami brown in front of him and then Good God. We'll go into his statistics in a second. I'm setting so a lot of things up. Be patient with me. But when I saw one of a couple of his games, specifically the games, the game where he was put in press, Miami, Miami got gashed by him in 2019. They said, we tried that BS. We tried that crap where we put him in this tent where we gave him a 10 yard cushion. We didn't like that at all. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to put him in press. He absolutely destroyed Miami. Granted, everybody that day for North Carolina did. Javante Williams, Michael Carter, and a lot of people, what they're going to watch and see with Yami Brown is they're going to say, well, he had Michael Carter and Javante Williams, and they play action. And you're not watching him against the DB because the DB isn't reading what's going on in the backfield. The DB is glued in, lasered eye, like a predator trying to try to stalk an antelope, like a lion trying to stalk an antelope in the African Serengeti. He's laser focused in on Diami Brown. He doesn't care what's going on to the left of him because Diami Brown is always playing on the weak side. He's always over there by himself on an island. He's not in a bunched up form. He's always by himself. And he always beats the DBs. I've I've never seen something like this before in my entire life. Where a guy can just like, on some of his best plays, really, that I've seen in the last couple of hours, really, because this is the first time that I've known of uh, Diami. But of his plays, there are some plays where, I mean, they they put him in that, they gave him that 10-yard cushion, and he gave them this stutter step. And, I mean, he was leaning, trying to create leverage on the outside, and he could get it and. Howell, I think that's what his name is. Zach Howell, right? right, The quarterback for North Carolina. Just put it on him. Sometimes, I mean, there there are times I love his I love his ability to run post routes. That's one of my favorite routes for it. It's it's clockwork. It's, it's money. I mean, it's it's like it reminds me of watching CeeDee Lamb about a year ago. That's what it reminds me of. It's like 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 this guy. Sometimes when he has his favorite route that he runs and it's a deep post route, I mean, he runs it to perfection and, it, and the DB's always trailing. I always see DB's trailing. Like nobody matched him up. I get it. He's playing in the ACC. Some people are going to, some people are just going to find reasons to dislike Diami Brown, right? He's not playing in the SEC. He's playing in the ACC. Well, he did it to Clemson the year before. He got behind, I don't even know who they had up against him, but he got behind them, not even close had like a three-yard cushion. And let me tell you something. His separ- he doesn't have breakaway speed, right? I thought he did at first, but he doesn't really have breakaway speed. But for some weird reason, he'll always find a way to just get behind people. Just get behind people. It's weird to watch because at first you think he does, and then, he just find- and then you realize it's like, wait, like he doesn't really have, he's not really fast. He's just quick. He's agile. Continuing forward. 
And in so many of the games, it's good DBs who are nine yards off, and they're, they're running back at the start of the snap. They're like, set hut, and they're literally running back. Like, you can have the 10-yard curl route. We'll give it to you. I'm not going to let you put me on a highlight mm. for a 60-yard bump. A little bit of context about this. I wrote down how many teams essentially gave him a 10-yard cushion last year in the 2020 season. Uh, here they are. Syracuse, and this is consistently. This isn't like, oh, every once. This is like consistently they gave him a 10-yard cushion. Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Florida State, North uh, Carolina State, Virginia, Wake Forest, Boston College, and Duke. It's the majority of their schedule, ladies and gentlemen. Said, you know what? We can't cover this guy. We got to give him a 10-yard cushion. Let's continue forward. Let's end with Chris Sims. Then let's get into my analysis. I'm very excited to talk about De'Ami Brown today. Can he do that in the NFL? He can do that in the NFL. And this isn't just some speed straight line guy. First off, route running, I thought, was through the roof in all aspects. You know, again, being able to break down, stick your foot in the ground. You know, coming back to the ball was one thing that I didn't like early on in the film. And I went, as the year went on, I went, ooh, no, he's coming back to the ball. So this guy, he adjusts on, adjusts on the fly to fix some of the issues he had altogether. But, you know, pure raw speed and ability, whether that's top-end speed that I think is probably 4-3 type speed, mm -hmm. right? Maybe faster. I don't know. All right? Then, you know, acceleration that we talked about with Waddle and Kadarius Tony, it's, it's right up there with them as far as the acceleration is concerned. It's special. You know, maybe he's not quite as twitchy in the jitterbug those two guys are, right. like that slot type there they are. But still, this is unbelievable feet at the line of scrimmage. You know, and really understands how to set DBs up and has incredible start-stop ability. So double moves, you know, or a fake curl route. He breaks down and then re-accelerates again. I can't tell you, just on that bit alone, cannot tell you how many times he ran a jerk route, a sluggo, these types of, in what he was saying, start-and-stop routes. I cannot tell you how many times he ran those routes on on just the highlights, the condensed games that I saw. Cannot tell you how many times he ran those routes and DBs are falling over their feet. They're stumbling over themselves because they're like, oh, he's oh, or or, or in some cases, I mean, like it's it's just it is ridiculous sometimes how many times Deami Brown would just get guys just tripping over the ground like DeAndre Hopkins did to uh, to DeAndre to D'Angelo Hall in freaking uh, in Hard Knocks. It was literally like that, except for a full season on double on, on just sluggos, on uh, stop and goes, on jerk routes. It, on I mean sometimes in 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 the red zone too. It, like it was weird, kind of talking about his route running because at first I didn't have his route running like that high that good. But then as the, again, like Chris M started to say, as the year went on, as some of the games that I saw went on, I was like, he had this really, really awesome um, curl route in the red zone where, I mean, it was, it was as sharp as like a freaking katana. I mean, it was a sharp, nice cut in his route when he went into his break. I was, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't, I can't believe this guy did. And, 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 and this is coming from like, when I first started to see his games, it was, it was like, oh, his, his routes are kind of, you know, aren't as crisp as I would like them to be. To then, like, a couple of games later, he's he's really, really owned in and sharpened his route running. And I don't know if it was – I'm, I'm going to chalk it up to COVID to him not necessarily being as sharp as he was 
in the uh, the back half of the season as the first half. I, I mean, it obviously affected him in that sense, but not by much, not by a whole lot. Not by a whole lot. Let's finish with Chris Sims, and then we'll get into the analysis. I mean, I was just blown away by the guy altogether, let alone it's not just some track guy, Ahmed. It's not just some guy who just fast and does all that. You know, again, you go back to the physicality thing and that, man, he catches the ball over the middle, snatches it out of the air, which I love, which mm. means when he's, he can catch like a bald eagle and go for 70-yard touchdowns, and it, it's, it's, there's no shying away from contact. He's got no problem with that. I mean, really, I, I think, you know, as you could tell, I'm very excited about him because yeah. he's just one of those guys that just go, I don't understand why he's not getting a little more credit. So – a little bit of so like let me get, let me give you some of the statistics right let me give you some of the raw individual statistics right the games that he just absolutely destroyed people in the Virginia game the Miami game the North Carolina State game when you know when you watch when if you type in his name and you type in highlights those three games are going to appear on his highlights those three games he had respectively. 240 yards, 167 yards, and 105 yards. Yes, he had the bulk of his 1,000-yard season in those football games, but you also have to remember, ladies and gentlemen, that he's not getting a whole bunch of catches, and then on top of that, he also has two awesome wide receivers, or excuse me, running backs, in Javante Williams and Michael Carter, right? And once again, you'll see kind of a trend. Some people are going to say this negatively. I don't care. Um, you'll see this trend of Javante Williams and Michael Carter popping off, and then you'll also see, guess who, De'Ami Brown popping off as well. But the game where teams were putting him in press, teams said, hey, uh, we'll keep him in front, or not, te- uh, excuse me, the team that said, we'll, 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 we'll be physical with him, we'll be, we'll be violent, we'll get him, we'll, we'll mess with him, we'll disrupt his route. Team that said that was Miami, and Miami got destroyed by him 167 yards Four catches. He got four catches on him. And it was by one of those stop and go stutter step routes. He hit him with the stutter step. He acted like he was going inside. The DB bit on it. Bang, he's up the field. Say goodbye. The Virginia game, they lost it, but they should have won it. He had three touchdowns, 240 yards, 11 receptions. Oh, my God. And, you know, I thought Devontae Smith played in a lot of traffic. I thought he was a very, very physical, maybe not violent guy, but just able to, you know, to, to get into a lot of trash, to get into a lot of traffic, to take a lot of contact, to take like two or three guys trying to tackle him in stride, get banged across, get hit across the middle of the football field, hang on to the football, Still get up, get tackled, try to make a play. When one guy's draped around his around his right leg and the other guy is trying to bring him down via his back, trying to tackle him, Devontae Smith is still trying to inch forward. I thought he played through a lot of... Then I saw De'Ame Brown and I was like, mm-mm. I can't tell you how many times De'Ame Brown would shed a tackle like an overcoat. I mean, there were times where he looked almost like Javante Williams. If, you, if you've never seen Javante Williams, the running back out of North Carolina, I mean, he, it's, it's like he just sheds, it's like he sheds off 
defenders like he's putting off a jacket. I don't really have a lot of shedding, def not defenders, analogies in my back pocket, but shedding people like an overcoat is my go-to. And Javante Williams can shed people like an overcoat. Same thing goes with Deami Brown. Sheds dudes like overcoats. Just uses his right arm to get him off him. Switches the football to his left and says, get off me. Sheds a tackle. Sheds another one. Says, get off me. I'm big and strong. You're short and weak. Six foot, 185 pounds, ladies and gentlemen. He is a monster. I remember I saw, and, and by the way, by a monster, I mean real monster. There is this play against Wake Forest, right? Wake Forest, 163 yards, eight receptions, two touchdowns. There's this play against this Wake Forest DB where Howell essentially threw the ball up for grabs, should have been an interception. 1,000% should have been an interception. I was surprised that it was not an interception. Do you want to know why it wasn't an interception? Because Deami Brown happened. That's why. Deami Brown, the ball is underthrown. Do you want to know what happens? He didn't break it up. He caught it. Do you want to know how he caught that thing? He took it out of the DB's hands as the DB was going down, ripped it out of his hands with his left arm as they were both going down. The DB had come down with the football. Deami Brown had stole it from him like he was stealing candy from a baby for 50-yard reception. I, got, I, got, I just got I got, I got to put on his highlights. I got to do it again. I got to watch some, some more De'Ami Brown. Because, I, I mean, he, 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 he is just too sweet. It's like watching candy being made. It's like I, I just, I don't understand how something that awesome can be, can just be, can just be, I, 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 I don't have any analogies for De'Ami Brown. Literally, he's leaving me speechless. I just, I don't really get it. Because it's like, I mean, this is another guy that I would have missed out on. This is another top flight wide receiver. Luckily, the ACC had put on his highlights, and I was like, cool. Cool. Syracuse, he has a game again against. And again, like, just to clarify what Chris Sims said, to, to Chris Sims, he said that he has breakaway to speed, excuse me. To me, it's like he can, he can get separation, right? I don't necessarily, I've seen him be tackled after he just like catches a 30, 40 yard bomb. This is before he takes it himself. I've seen him like take, I, I've seen him go the distance. Maybe not the distance, but go very, very far. But I haven't necessarily seen him go the distance when it comes to some of these, these routes when he's just wide open, open field. People send, people tend to be able to catch up to him is essentially what I'm trying to say. Poorly, I might add. But I mean, the Syracuse game is a perfect microcosm of how much contact he's playing against. Because I mean, they're just, they're not really going that deep. So he has to play through some of these, some of these like short yardage routes. I mean, here's a, here's a perfect microcosm of Deami Brown where just, and he's super smart. He's super smart when it comes to double moves too. He'll hit you with the double moves. And I mean, right now he's just running a, 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 um, a route that takes him all the way across the field. It's like a deep crossing route. 
and he hits one of the linebackers with a double move. He he makes him think that he's going on the inside, and he just cuts to the outside, or maybe not to the outside, excuse me. He makes him think that he's going to make a very, very shallow route because he's running a crossing route on the, on the weak side of the formation on the left, and he makes him think that he's going to cut his route off super shallow, and then it's, it's like a stutter set. Maybe not a stutter set, but it's kind of like a juke where he like makes one step to make his route look shallow, and then he just bounces to the outside, and then he's gone. And then he just runs all the way across the formation for like a 30-yard gain. Insane, ladies and gentlemen. And then, it's, and then because they're playing zone, he's just, he's just wide open. I get the speed. I get the speed. I just... He may have a lot. He may. I think. I think the thing is, maybe. Maybe it's my eyes. I mean, you know. You know. Again, I'm not a, a great film and tape guy. I'm not a great evaluator of talent. But it seems to me he has better acceleration than a top speed. It seems like he hits a wall and he just can't get past it. To me, at least. Yeah. There. Yeah. He has acceleration. Maybe not top end speed. I'm watching the Boston College game right now. They're flipping from game to game right now. But it's like I'm watching the Boston College game where he. I mean, he just ran through their secondary. But, but again, he got tackled like 20, 30 yards down the field, right? I mean, he, he's literally, and, and again, it's like, again, Boston College, right? It's first and 10, eight minutes, 57 seconds left at North Carolina's own 22-yard line. I think it's just a simple comeback route, and it's like it takes three guys to bring him down. Six foot 185, by the way. But you can't have a wide receiver who's under 200 pounds. He's a skinny wide receiver. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ, give me a break. I'll speak on that in a little bit. Speak on that in a little bit. I have anything else? Oh, yeah. His ability to track the football. I'll say this about Howell. I'm not. I, I haven't looked that deep into Zach Howell. I think that's what his name is. Howell, man. There were times where, like, some of these passes to Deami Brown were top flight stuff by Howell, man. In the sense of like, what Howell did in a lot of cases, and I wrote this down. And I said he has elite ability when it comes to tracking the football i mean if if the throw is essentially a rainbow a high arcing football where i mean it just you give the wide receiver enough time to track the football while it's in the air more times than not deami brown is going to come down with it not necessarily in like a back shoulder fade type of way but just in almost every sense and, and almost every single flow, throw, excuse me, I didn't really see a whole lot of him misjudging where the ball is. You know how, like, like in Kansas City, for example, perfect example, you remember how, like, Patrick Mahomes would, like, hit dudes in the helmets, right? And they wouldn't be able to catch the football. Literally, he would hit the dudes. Like, I didn't really see a whole lot of that with De'Ami Brown. In fact, not even a whole lot. That would be disrespecting him. Didn't see any of it. Didn't see any of it. There were times where dudes were draped all over him, caught it in stride. Again, the Randy Moss. Great hand-eye coordination. Again, bald eagle snatching a rat or a rabbit on the forest floor type of hand-eye coordination. Very impressive stuff. Very impressive stuff. And this is college. 
And what I started to see, especially for Deami Brown, was dudes were just holding on for like dear life. And because it's college and the rules are a little bit different, uh, like like there were times where it's like, yeah, he one thousand percent should get PIs, and he's just not, and he's just still running past people. Insane wide receiver, insane wide receiver, Deami Brown. Elite tracking, hands, route running. I didn't think his route, and the thing is, I didn't think his route running was top flight. It is. It is very top flight. It's some of the best I've seen this year, and I've seen Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase run routes this year. Top flight stuff coming out of North Carolina. How is it that they had so many good football players? I just, I don't, I don't understand it. They had so many good football players. Jesus Christ. But Deami Brown, you know, we're going to kind of revisit this in about a week in the sense of we're going to revisit some of these, um, some of my players within the next couple of weeks. Deami Brown is going to, he's already, he to me is like the third or the fourth. The reason why I would put him over Jalen Waddle is right now, let me kind of think, I, I, I kind of forgot. Jalen Waddle's definitely faster than Deami Brown. Like, let's just get that out of the way. I think Jalen Waddle is much faster. Like, when you see guys pursuing Jalen Waddle, it's not even close. When you see guys pursuing uh, Deami Brown, it is close. In fact, he gets tackled very often after he's beaten people. I think the reason why I would take Deami Brown over Jalen Waddle right now, and I love Jalen Waddle. I think he's underrated. I think his route running is underrated. The reason why I would take Deami Brown right now over Jalen Waddle is because of, like, right right now, I think Deami Brown is probably a better route runner than Jalen Waddle. And I think Jalen Waddle is a fantastic route runner. And I also think, Jay, not Jalen, Deami Brown has more toolboxes in his toolbox. Nope, I'm tired. It's 1.30 in the morning, not toolbox. It's 2 o'clock down in the morning. Not toolboxes in his toolbox. Tools in his toolbox. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Forgive me. I'm very tired. I, it's, it's, it's very early in the morning. It's my fault. I know. What I mean by he has a lot of tools in the toolbox is I feel like Jalen Waddle doesn't have the tracking ability of a Deami Brown. Like another way to put it, another wide receiver who Deami Brown kind of reminds me of is Julian Edelman. If Julian Edelman was like a little bit taller, a little bit faster. Yeah. If he was a little bit taller, and if he was black. <laughs> like, if Julian Edelman was a little bit taller, a little bit faster, and he was black, that's Deami Brown. Right? Awesome route runner. Awesome playmaker. Doesn't fear contact. None of these guys do in the draft, by the way. None of these wide receivers do. Doesn't fear contact. He's not violent. Right? But he, he plays through contact. He'll just be like, it is what it is. I got I to gotta run through this contact. I'm not going to lower the shoulder. I'm just going to persevere on. I'm going to be the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I mean, like, I'm watching one of the plays against Florida State right now. Do you want to know what happened? Florida State made a mistake. They put him in press coverage. Do you want to know what happened? The Ame Brown put the doses up. In the end zone for like a, a 40 or 50-yard touchdown, Again, big shout-out to the quarterback, Howell, 
high arcing ball. De'Ame Brown has his man beaten off the line of scrimmage. It's a stutter. It's a, it's just one of those stutter steps that he gives. He ha- I mean, he just gashes people with double moves. Just this, ah, ah. Just a stutter step. Just bye-bye. And like C.D. Lamb, he does wear number two. Because he does put up the deuces a lot on people. Oh, my goodness. Florida State, that DB number 27, what are you doing? What are you doing? Can't put, can't do that on my guy, Diave Brown. He's my guy now. I'm saying he's one of my guys. Again, playing through contact against North Carolina State. 13 minutes left in the first quarter, second and three. Stiff arms a DB like no like he's the Heisman Trophy. Awesome, awesome, awesome wide receiver. Cannot wait to see where he falls in the draft. Can I? I mean, I mean, he he. I remember once again. Chris Sims talked about it. He's like, this is the new Chase Claypool in the draft. This is the guy that everybody is going to underestimate, and he may fall to the second or third round. I don't know. Right now, I think um, the majority of draft boards have him going to the third round. I have him better than Jalen Waddle. That's that damn post route. It's that deep post route that he runs against everybody. I mean, he ran it against, I think, Syracuse or Virginia Tech, and then he ran it against North Carolina State. And I mean... Top flight stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Top flight, good God. I forgot about that. Like, again, they lose against Virginia, but he was not one of the the reasons why. He was one of the many reasons why they had almost won that football game. I mean, he catches, in in, in talking about his tracking, he catches this absolutely immaculate football by Howell. It's like a 60-yard bomb and I mean he kind of has to lean back for it because it's a it's a little bit under throw it's a 60 yarder shout out to Howell maybe I need to take another look at Howell too but I mean it's a 60 yard bomb down the sideline he slows down a little bit for it but I mean he he's he's beaten that poor poor DB Chris Sims is usually never wrong about this type of stuff, but when I saw literally 55 receptions, 1,000 yards, 8 touchdowns, I was like, yikes. Yikes. Yikes, dude. I got 10 wide receivers. I'm done looking out receivers this year. I'm out. Maybe not I'm, I'm out or I'm done looking out receivers, but it's like I talked about how for draft night, for the draft, I was like, you know what? I got to get 10 wide receivers. I now I now got 10 wide receivers, ladies and gentlemen. I got, uh, I'll figure out, I'll figure out the cement. Right now, De'Ami Brown is my third wide receiver in, in this year's draft. I talked about how Mac Jones, I don't care what the experts say. I don't care about what, what Mel Kuyper says. I talked about it. I was like, Mac Jones is my second quarterback. I'm not podcasting tomorrow because I want to watch Mac Jones' pro day. I said, he's my second guy. I'm telling you, De'Ami Brown's my second guy. I'm usually not wrong about this type of stuff, ladies and gentlemen. 
They're wrong. You're going to tell me 24. Like, come on. You can't put this guy third overall. Have you seen the all made proud? I'm just asking. Go watch him. You tell me I can't put him ahead of Jalen Waddle. And again, it doesn't mean that Jalen Waddle isn't a bad player or he doesn't deserve the third spot. Because before I saw De'Ame Brown, I was like, he's my third wide receiver and he's a top five, he's a top 10 prospect. To me, at least. Jalen Waddle, like, like all three guys, to me, Jalen Waddle is still a top 10 prospect. I don't know how I'm going to fit four wide receivers in the top 10, but let me, let me figure it out. I'll figure it out. But sweet baby Jesus. I mean, I mean, this year's, I thought last year's wide receiver draft, wide receiving draft was ridiculously filled with talent. But this year's, it may even be better. Because there may be two or three CD fucking lambs in this year's draft. Oh my God. Three CD lambs. Or Justin Jefferson's. Whoever you think is better in this year's draft. Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase. Excuse me. There may be there may be three CD lambs plus the really, really speedy route runner in Jalen Waddle. Excuse me. Excuse me. You got four guys that I, I mean I'm I'm conservatively just I'm I'm conservatively just gonna say you got four guys that could all be taken in the top fifteen. That's easy. That's easy money. I'm t- I'm I, I mean I mean I'm I'm call if I'm if I'm the Ravens I'm calling up I'm calling up the Baltimore Ravens if I'm Lamar I'm telling them you take the Arme Brown at wherever we got him. Wherever you got him, you take him. You take the Ame Brown. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm people, people, people. I'm calling him up. I'm saying I want the Ame Brown if I'm Kyler Murray. Who else need? If I'm the Patriots in the second round, because he'll probably fall. I'm keep. I'm going on draft night, ladies and gentlemen. I will keep a very, 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 very close eye on the Ame Brown. I'm gonna keep a very close eye. Because I'm going to tell you straight away, I'm telling you a month before the draft is even here. We're less than a, we're over a month away from the draft. I'm telling you a month before the draft is even here. I'm telling you right now, the guy or the team, excuse me, that gets the Ame Brown is going to get a top flight, top shelf wide receiver. Everybody's going to be like, oh my God, where did the Ame Brown came from? And I, And you'll be able to tell me. You'll be able to tell the people who are asking this question, who is this guy, Diame Brown? You're going to be able to tell them, this guy, 24, was screaming and yelling about him on March 24th, 2021. He was talking about how this guy, Diame Brown, was the third best wide receiver in the draft. I'm telling you, he is. Jesus Christ. And then there's another one. Shout out to this guy, Howell. Against Notre Dame. Against Notre Dame. Took a shot down the field. Three minutes, 30 seconds left in the first quarter. And I mean, De'Ami, it's a great it's a great ball by Howell. Awesome catch by De'Ami Brown. And it goes for like, they're almost at the logo and it's at the one. So it's like a 50, 60 yard bomb. And I mean, Howell puts a little bit more juice under it. I mean, it's a touchdown, but he underthrew it. And then I'm watching the Miami game 
in the sun. No idea how he sees. Just absolutely destroys the DB. It's cruel and unusual, and he just, I mean, he just, he just knows where he, you know, you want to know my favorite thing about Deami Brown? You know what I, it, hold, I, I gotta, I gotta plug my computer in. Hold, I, I gotta, I gotta just talk about Deami Brown for a couple more minutes. Brown. You want to know my favorite thing about the Amory Brown? As somebody who tried to play as a wide receiver, I got, hold on. All right, now it's plugged in. As somebody who like played wide receiver at recess and stuff like that, and who like pre-snap, I kind of knew, I tried to like knew what I was doing and how I could do it and stuff like that, but I wasn't very good at it. As somebody who like understands like pre-snap, what you're trying to figure out and what you're trying to do as a wide receiver and then being and then watching a dude actually be able to do it like Deami Brown in press coverage I mean he I like there's times where I, I I love this guy there's times where he just understands leverage and he understands he's playing on the weak side so he has so much room and space to operate with so he knows that he can that he can if he beats his guy he can essentially make it he can start his route on the inside or start his route on the outside and then cut back to the inside and then just take it up the field and have inside leverage while also having his man beat. So he has essentially this large cushion where Howell can just throw the football and he does. And it's like, he just bang, bang beats him to the inside and then he's just gone. And then he's, I mean, he's just gone. And it's just, just this high arcing devastating football that I mean, like I remember Tom Brady was talking about it um, with the Bucks, with some of his teammates. He was talking about how you know teams literally cannot stop certain routes if they if they run the route perfectly and if the ball is thrown perfectly. It's like they just can't stop the route. And it's like this is exactly what I'm talking about with Deami Brown. Except instead of it being like a 10 yard out route, it's a it's a 50 yard bomb down the side down the freaking sideline. Sweet Jesus. There it is again. Goodbye. It's almost the same route against Miami. Deami. I mean, it's 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 literally the ball. The ball. I'm stuttering now. The ball is literally thrown at the Tar Heels one yard line. Deami catches it at the 46, and then he takes it all the way. Inside the five again, not breakaway speed. He's quick. He's fast, but he's not like he's not like freaking the Flash. He's it's not like he you know is breaking the sound barrier or the speed barrier or running at the speed of light or whatever. But it's like Deami Brown just. I mean, he's gone. Where is he going? I don't know where he's going. He's going in the end zone. Jesus Christ. I'll talk about the army, Brown. Oh, my God. I'm exhausted. Are you exhausted? I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm physically, I want to take a, I want to take a nap. But that's also because it's like 2.13 in the morning. I'm tired. I got to move on. 
Let me talk about another one of my guys. Short podcast, by the way. Let me talk about one of my other guys. Devontae Smith is under attack. A lot of people keep on saying, you can't draft Devontae Smith very high. Do you want to know why? Because he's skinny. That's why. He's skinny. He's not 200 pounds. I remember, like, people have this weird, just, just like, fabrication with weight. Or infatuation with weight. It's it's weird to me. And the reason why I say it's weird to me is because I remember, maybe not I remember, but, like, literally a couple of weeks ago, somebody said, you know what? Um, wide receivers are, like, 215, 230. Or 215, 220. Or 220-230. There is like something, and it's like, wait, did you just say wide receivers are the size of a running back? I don't think people realize how big, or in the case of the wide receivers, how little they are. Again, Marvin Harrison, like like you had wide receivers this week, essentially, like in defense of, in, in, in defense of Devontae Smith. They were like, 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 guys, I played at 175. Chad Ochocinco just talked about how he played. He's like, guys, I played at 175. He looked like he played at 175. Hollywood Brown played at 150. He was my weight in the NFL. It's not, it's like like some people, they, you know, they, they get this whole thing about weight misconstrued. They, they're like, you know, you know, like if this guy isn't, isn't X weight, he'll get destroyed in it. L- listen, I've seen 230 pound running backs get destroyed. I've seen 300 pound Defensive linemen get ran over by running backs. Like, unfortunately, weight is relative in the NFL when you got everybody that can literally hit like a car. Yes, including the 175 wide receiver. I talked about it all the time. I was like, I don't really see what people are seeing, right? It's just it's just one of those narrative talking points that everybody wants to talk about. Everybody's like, you know, no, Devontae Smith, he's skinny. So that means he can't play in the NFL. He's skinny. He's a skinny wide receiver. Like, what? Bro, he doesn't play skinny. He plays like he's 100 and 200. He plays like he's like 295 pounds. He plays like a very big wide receiver. He plays impossibly big. I mean, I... Like, we, we talk about it all the time, or at least I talked about it all the time when I was watching Devontae Smith. I was always talking about it. I was like, man, this guy's making play after play. He's catching the ball in traffic. Again, before I saw De'Ame Brown, I was like, Devontae Smith is playing in a lot of traffic. In a lot of traffic. And he's taking a lot of contact. Or he's running in a lot of traffic meaning he's getting hit a lot, and he's not going down. There's a bunch, like, I mean, as much as I watch De'Ami Brown's highlights, we can, I mean, good God, we can pull up Devontae Smith and his highlights and just see how absolutely nuts Devontae Smith is skipping his pro day. Hold on. McAfee's reporting. 
McAfee's got the scoop. And he's got an ad. Of course he does. He's making big bucks. Hold on. I just saw the thumbnail. McAfee's, McAfee's reporting Devontae Smith is skipping his pro day. That's okay. That's okay. He's going. I mean, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Talking to reporters, Alabama wide receiver. Sorry. Hold on. That's way too loud. Monte Smith said he weighs 170 pounds. He won't do any on-field drills on Tuesday when Alabama has their pro day. He says he ain't worried about his size. Okay. Uh, what was he supposed to say? You worried about your size? I am, actually. Yeah. Terrified. And, and by the way, with saying that now, I am terrified. I, I am worried. I'm also not doing any work on the field. No. So, hey, I won the Heisman. Nah, I'm scared of my size, but also... Not doing any work on Tuesday. We'll let you guys figure that whole thing out. It does have to be nice for some of these guys that don't have to do anything on their pro day. Because if they already got film on you, if you're already, you know, known as a guy that's going to go early, why waste another yeah. day doing something when something could happen in the, you know, tights, gymnastics, Olympics, or whatever it is? There you go. I, I was, I like seeing Devontae Smith play. I wanted to. Wanted to see him at his pro day. I just wanted to see him run around in Alabama gear for the final time. Roll Tide! Roll Tide! Just wanted to see it. Uh, that that kind of that I I just wanted to see him run around in the Alabama Crimson Tide once again. I just wanted to see him run around in the Alabama Crimson Tide once again. And congratulations to the Heisman. To the Heisman. That's what I'm just going to call him from now on. I'm just going to call him the Heisman. Well, I mean, I can't call him the Heisman trope. I'm just going to call him. T- Congratulations to the Heisman, Devontae Smith. Just wanted to see him run around with the boys out there once again. Run around, bang, catching passes. The Grim Reaper. I refuse to call him the Slim Reaper, the Grim Reaper, DB's worst nightmare personified death excuse me not worst nightmare that would be shortchanging him death incarnate to dbs Devonte smith will not activate will not play at his pro day sad i'm sad a little bit <clears throat> but anyways um going back to his weight no, um, when I watch Devonte smith play no do i see his weight on on, on tape on film no i don't i don't see it at all um, it, it's just, it's just a narrative that people keep on saying when they don't really have anything on them. So they're like, well, um, what's one of the obvious things that sticks out that we can show a whole bunch of people? Well, we can say he's skinny and they're right. He is skinny. Um, but I don't know if anyone has actually watched him play the sport of football, considering the consensus with some of the people that comment on it, I would say no. I don't think they have seen him play because they would know that he has these spider-like arms that can put on a lot of mass. That he has, you know, thinner legs that can also put on a lot of mass. The reality is his frame is absolutely perfect for putting on mass. He'll do it in the NFL. He'll get with a proper nutritionist. He'll get with the team doctor. He'll have his blood work done and all that good stuff. He'll get with all these people. But yes, Devontae Smith, 
will 1000% bulk up and be bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, work harder, all that stuff in the NFL. Because that's just who he is. Think he's going to stay 180 his entire career? He may balloon up to 190 and be perfectly fine. He may go up to 200 pounds. I don't know. But the narrative, the notion that Devontae Smith is skinny is ridiculous. It's And it's lazy. It's like, you don't watch football. You don't watch him play football. You don't know what he's all about. You didn't watch Alabama. You didn't watch the national championship when he almost had 300 yards, I think, in the first half. Didn't watch it, apparently. I don't know what you were doing, but you didn't watch Alabama Roll Tide. So, Devontae Smith, congratulations to the Heisman. Also, can I talk about some something else? You know, I mean, I, I don't have to ask. It's my podcast. It's a rhetorical question. I was watching. I don't. I don't like watching college basketball. I very rarely like watching college sports. You know, there's this girl, right, playing out of UConn. I remembered her name because she played on the teenage Olympics basketball team. I was like, good God, she's gotten better. As I was watching UConn absolutely destroy whoever they were playing, I was like, oh, this is the future of the WNBA. And I kind of made my decision. I don't know where and when she's going to be drafted, but whenever whoever Paige Bukers goes to, that's my new WNBA basketball team. I'm going to try and watch every single WNBA basketball game that she's a part of. Reason why is um, she is spectacular. You probably haven't watched Paige Bukers. Because barely anyone knows who she is. I'll tell you who she is. She's one of the best college foot, not football, basketball. My mind is still on football. She's one of the best college basketball players in the country. That's who she is. I saw her play for the Olympic team. She was one of the main leaders of the Olympic team. I think she was the starter. She was one of the shooting guards. She couldn't really handle the ball that well. I, I saw her. I was like, man, she can't really. That, that number five, I think she wore five. I don't remember what jersey she wore, but I was like, man, that number five girl, she sure can shoot and distribute. She can kind of finish, but she can't really penetrate. And I was like, you know, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was when she was like 17 or 18, but it's like that year during the Olympics and after the Olympics and this first year at UConn, I think it's her second year at UConn, I believe think I'm not only up and up on that apologize if I get it wrong but it's like it's done her justice and it's done her some good because Paige Bukers looks I mean she already she's she's killing these girls in college she's killing girls in high school too she has ice cold blood in her veins she's borderline a cyborg I mean, like, what's what's the cyborg? She's like she's like half monster, half cyborg. What's the? She's like Mecha Godzilla. Hopefully, he's in the next Godzilla versus Kong movie. But I mean, she's like a Mecha God. She's like she's like half monster, half cyborg. All destruction. I felt bad for some of the girls that had to play up against her because it wasn't even close. They couldn't stop her ever, ever. She was 
monster. She was monstrative. Monstrative. I don't know how to say it. She was a monster. I was surprised at how well her game had had adapted from high school to college, able to drive, kick. And you want to know what? It seemed effortless. It seemed, she's my new favorite player. Oh my gosh, she she is fantastic. She's my new favorite player. Hopefully her and Haley Van Leith get together in the WNBA. I want to see them take over the league. Paige Buchers, man having a absolutely wonderful college I don't like I don't even know what the college playoffs not a big guy on March Madness but just a absolute fantastic job by Paige Buchers last couple of days absolutely killing it at UConn and by killing it I mean killing other people because she's mecha Godzilla half robot Half monster, all destruction and mayhem. Beware of Paige Pilkers and beware of UConn. Moving on. Again, short podcast today. Let me talk about the UFC. I'm just, you know, I'm just not very interested in the UFC. I'm just not. And I, I love fighting sports. I love the pugilistic. You know, I love I love boxing as well. But it's like, you know, like the UFC especially this year just seems to have taken a nosedive. And it just hasn't really ever recovered. It, it, it recovered with Conor McGregor just a little bit. But then it's like it just fell down. You know, interest died out. We were all interested to see what Conor could do, but... I mean, he lost. I love Connor still, but you know, the, the the interest for the sport has died down, in my opinion, in the last couple of years. It's not that the fights have gotten worse. It's not that the fighters have gotten worse or less entertaining. They're still entertaining. Amanda Nunes is still a monster. Valentina Shevchenko. Is still fa- absolutely fantastic. Dustin Poirier, you know, I mean, some of the some of the the guys in the lightweight division, Dustin Poirier, uh, uh, Poirier, excuse me, awesome job defeating Conor McGregor among others. But I mean, I'm I'm drawing a blank here on some of the fighters. You know, I I just I don't know who the contenders are anymore. And it's like, this is a year or two after I was like super involved with the UFC. And now I'm just not. Again, not the sport has gotten worse or any better. I mean, I like, just not a lot of interest in it to me. Love the sport. Just, I don't, like, I I mean, I've seen so many UFC events and things of that nature on ESPN. And I'm just like, I just don't really want to. Watch it. I just don't know the narratives. I don't know who's contending, who's not contending. My brain is all scattered. Maybe it's just because I, I just haven't been informed. And by informed, it's like my information. I haven't researched it, done enough studies on it. Just not, just not only up and up on the sport as I once was. I mean, super informed guy. But I think the prime of the UFC 
was when they had multiple different fighters doing multiple different just like world-breaking type of stuff. Ronda Rousey, Amanda Nunes coming up, Holly Holm, Misha Tate. And then you had that big guy from the Emerald Isles, Conor McGregor coming up, beating up on, you know, Jose Aldo. You know, Eddie Alvarez getting into fights with Floyd Mayweather and others. Then you had Gabib Nurmagomedov coming up. I mean, just an absolute, I, I mean, but, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I remember Joe Rogan was talking about how, like, Amanda Nunes is kind of too dominant, where it's like, you know, nobody's going to fight Amanda Nunes because it's like she'll just, I mean, she's she's just too awesome, you know. It's almost boring to watch her fight. And I was like, come on, Joe. It's, it, it'll never be boring to watch Amanda Nunes be dominant. It kind of starting to be it. It's like I'm not really interested in any of the other belts. I don't know. Just, just not interested in the sport. That much. And I watched that sport for like five years. That's the weird thing. Like I watched it really seriously. I was interested in the fights and stuff like that, but just not as interested as I once was in the UFC. And I don't know if that's anyone else. I mean, I would assume so based upon the dip in ratings, the significant dip in ratings. I don't know. Just not that into the UFC anymore. Anyways, let me move on. Let me transition to this. That's Wilson. Let me sit down, actually. Let me also snuff out my candle flame. I know we're doing a lot, but I, 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 I do the most. scoot my chair over my glasses one of my glasses like legs or not lenses but like one of the arms that it's the right freaking lens or whatever that holds my glasses on my face it freaking broke off and now i only have like one arm on my glasses i look ridiculous i tried to put gorilla glue on it to make it glue together it didn't work i'm gonna do it again (coughs) super obnoxious I need new glasses. <clears throat> so, turns out once again, Russell Wilson is trying to get the guy, Antonio Brown, down, not from. Not down to Tampa. Oh, my gosh. Not Oh, my God. My brain is freaking fried. He's trying to get Antonio Brown to, to Seattle, not to Tampa. Russell Wilson is trying to recruit Seattle's, or not Seattle's, but Tampa's own Antonio Brown to Seattle.
So what does this exactly mean for Seattle? Well, what it means essentially is that Seattle has an option. Seattle has the ability to do something to help out Russell Wilson. Essentially listen to Russell Wilson. Again, as they should. Because once again, Russell Wilson has been right about a lot of the, the things that have gone on and pervade this offseason. Russell Wilson was right in the sense of, hey guys, uh, maybe we should get an offensive lineman. He was right again in the sense of, hey guys, uh, maybe we should get another wide receiver. Maybe we should, right? So Russell Wilson is trying to recruit Antonio Brown for the second year in a row, I might add. This is not the first time that he's tried to do this. This is the second time that he's tried to get Antonio Brown away from the respective team that he was trying to go to in Tampa Bay. He even threw with Antonio Brown, I believe in Florida. I believe in Florida. Someplace with palm trees. So, Russell Wilson is trying to get Antonio Brown. What does this mean for Seattle? Why is this so important? Well, considering that, for the most part, seems like their issues with Seattle is finally starting to die out, considering that aspect, it's kind of just about relationships with Russell Wilson. It's like, do you want to piss him off again, or do you want to be in his good graces? And again, it's like, you know, there's there's ways to work. Or there's ways to make thing, to make the players happy to make yourself happy. If Antonio Brown is a problem, if he lacks in production, you can be like, hey, Russ, you know, he, he's not he's lacking in production. We don't necessarily know if you want if, if we can keep him, if we can maintain him. You can just be like, yeah, like we can't we can't keep him. It's not very good. It's not as good as we thought. He was, we're going to have to cut him. And that's all right. You can do that. Or you can just, you know, not try to do what your quarterback is trying to tell you to do even when he's in the right. I mean, if they want to do that, then make it their business, then sure, fine. All right. Cool. Keep on losing. Oh, yeah, by the way, in the divisional round. Or worse, because that's what they've always been doing for the last seven years. They've lost in the divisional round or worse. Will Antonio Brown help them get to a Super Bowl? I don't know. Probably not. They need way more pieces than one piece. It's not just about one guy. It's about multiple guys. That's how you fucking win. That's how you put together a structure in which you can win. Not for one year, not for two years, but for five or six years consistently. That's how Seattle has kind of done it for the last seven years. They've had certain consistencies on the offensive and defensive side of the football. The Legion of Boom, or at least what it once used to be, with Richard Sherman, with Earl Thomas, with Cam Chancellor, with Bobby Wagner, linebacker core, Cliff Averill, Frank Clark, Michael Bennett were all there. On the offensive side, Russell Wilson, Beast Mode, and Doug Baldwin. They had consistency. 
But the issue right now is that they lack consistently. Consistently? Good God, I'm tired. Again, it's almost 3 o'clock in the morning. They lack consistently. What? Did I say consistently? I'm tired. I apologize. They lack consistency. So Russell Wilson, he's asking once again, not begging. He's asking, hey, guys, maybe we should uh, maybe we should go out and get Antonio Brown. And we'll just see about half a year what the Seattle Seahawks do when it comes to listening to their quarterback. Hell, we may not even have to wait that long. We'll literally maybe see a signing, whether he's back with the Bucks down in Tampa. Or maybe he's teamed with a new guy in Seattle. We'll see. We'll see. I'm tired. I got to get out of here soon. Final thing we got to talk about here today. Kenny Galladay. Right? Kenny Galladay, one of my favorite wide receivers coming out in free agency. Despite the injury concerns, I really, really liked him. Just signed with the New York Giants. And um, I remember I wrote this in my journal. He's literally only just going to run curls and 50-50 balls because that's the only routes that Jason Garrett can write up for his wide receivers. Curls, comebacks, 50-50 balls, stuff like that. So, Kenny Galladay reportedly is getting paid $18 million annually. The reason why that's so significant is nobody was asking, nobody was going to pay him that amount of money, right? And the reason why I think it's so interesting is because it reminds me of what everybody did a couple of years ago when it came to the Dallas Cowboys. Everybody had essentially had said, Dallas is doing it wrong when it comes to Amari Cooper. They overvalued Amari Cooper and they overpaid for Amari Cooper. When in reality seems like the evaluation was right in the sense of the trade that they had to give up the first round draft pick that they gave up for Amari Cooper. It seems like it's like, oh, wait, that, that kind of worked out for Dallas. Didn't really work out for the Raiders. Raiders should have gotten way more. Dallas got a really, really good deal on Amari because Amari is now worth a first round draft pick and like something else. Maybe not two first round draft picks, but like a first, maybe like a third. So Amari, not Amari, I'm tired. So Kenny and the Giants, they sign a contract. And they're thinking to themselves, you know what? Kenny Galladay, he's going to be like Amari Cooper. He's going to be the guy. And you want to know what? Jason Garrett probably helped sell Kenny Galladay just a little bit. But, you know, Kenny Galladay and the Giants are like, we'll pay for We'll pay for Kenny. Pay a lot of money for Kenny. We'll pay $18 million for Kenny even though nobody was offering that amount of money. We'll pay a lot of money for Kenny. We'll go ahead and go play football. You want to know what's going to happen to the Giants next year? They're going to spend $18 million on a wide receiver and miss the playoffs. Again. I think fourth or fifth time last six years. I miss the playoffs. 
don't know why. I don't know why they're going to miss the playoffs. Got all these franchise big signings. Leonard Williams, Nate Solders coming back. Justin Thomas had a really, really awesome into his rookie season. Kenny Galladay, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. Saquon's coming back. Well, I don't know why the Giants aren't going to go to the playoffs. Because no matter how many guys they get, no matter how much they improve, the one guy that makes the whole thing tick, not Mac Jones, or excuse me, Daniel Jones, not him, but Jason Garrett, he's going to be the reason why. I kept on hearing throughout the entirety of the offseason, oh man, Jason Garrett, he's going to turn things around in New York, man. I'm tired, by the way, which is why I'm pausing. I'm really, really tired. I'm struggling. He's going to turn things around. He's going to get things back on track. He's going to make the Giants a playoff team, and he's going to get that offense up to what it needs to be, which is going to be a top-tier offense. Lo and behold, Jason Garrett. I mean, collectively, defensively, they played better, but offensively, good God, were they terrible. But, I mean, here's the thing, right, about Daniel Jones and the Giants. Everybody kept on, I, again, I'm tired. Reason why I think Daniel Jones and the Giants are just going to be an absolute mess next year is because of Jason Garrett. The schemes he's going to employ, I mean, the schemes that I've already seen him employ with Evan Ingram, with Sterling Shepard, with even Golden Tate are horrifyingly bad. And John Mara is the reason why that he still has a job. Not because, oh man, you know, this guy is an awesome, an awesome offensive coordinator. Not because Jason Garrett has new and innovative ideas and philosophies that he embeds in his offense. It's that he knows some people and he's a nice guy. And when rubber meets the road and when he is pressured, not just against Washington, but also against Dallas. In other football teams, when he gets pressured and his side of the football crumbles because Joe Judge does not want him there. Mara wants him there. Ownership wants him there. And when it becomes obvious next year that it's like, wait a second, he's not utilizing Kenny Galladay correctly. Oh, wait, he's not utilizing. He's only trying to run the football with Saquon Barkley. He's running it like 300 times a year, an obscene amount of times to run football in a passing league. He tries to do all of that stuff. It'll then become clear. It's like, wait a second. It doesn't matter how many players we have. It doesn't matter that we signed Kenny Galladay, that we severely, excuse me, overpaid for him. It doesn't matter that David Gelman's the the uh, the GM and Steve Smith Sr. is popping off shots about him. It doesn't matter about any of that stuff. What matters is that Jason Garrett is still the problem and we have not gotten rid of him and he will continue to be the problem until we get rid of him. It's 
So that's my final little monologue. I'm juiced up. I'm not juiced up. I'm juiced out. I'm tired. I'm going to sleep. Sorry if I was inefficient for the last like 10 minutes. I'm struggling here. I got to go to sleep. I won't see you tomorrow. I'm watching Alabama's Pro Day. I will not be watching Daniel Jones. Wow, am I tired. Devontae Smith? What? How do I get Daniel Jones from Devontae? I got to go to sleep. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna be watching Devonte Smith. I'm gonna be watching Daniel Jones. Oh my God, I'm tired. Mac Jones, I gotta. I. Before I say anything else, I'm out. Twenty fourth podcast. I'm very tired. I'll see you Wednesday. I'll see you. I don't know what we're gonna be doing, but we're gonna be doing something. I'll see you Wednesday. <laughs>